What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's up, YouTube? Thanks for watching. Make sure you hit that like button. Adam Aze and I have a bet. Whoever's going to get the most likes as the host. So hopefully help me out and give me some likes here and uh, we'll get rolling. And, and Adam will be a little jealous when he comes back and sees all the likes on our YouTube page. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard. That's Heath Cummings. No Adam Azer one more time. He'll be back on Tuesday. So we'll hopefully hold things down for him. Once again, Super Bowl week, we got a lot to get to throughout the week and it gets a lot of props, a lot of DFS plays and have you covered for Super Bowl 56. But of course, we have to react to some of the things happening around the NFL, some of the coaching changes, obviously the Senior Bowl. We're going to take a little spin back to 2021 with some of the stats and trends that might interest you moving forward into 2022. So uh, make sure you're listening on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, you can now leave us a rating. We really appreciate a quick five star rating there as well. So again, Adam and I will probably have a little bet going there as well. So make sure you're uh, leaving us a rating on Spotify. We really appreciate it. Five-star rating, that would be very helpful. So again, we're going to get into the stats and trends from 2021 that might interest you moving forward. Look ahead, look back at what happened, the Senior Bowl practice and the Senior Bowl game. Uh, obviously, some news and notes around the NFL. But uh, uh, before we get to the Senior Bowl a little bit later in the show, Dave, what's a quick takeaway from you? Who stood out to you the most of all the players, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends? The player that stood out the most is the one that you've probably heard the most about. It's Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Just an awesome dual threat type of quarterback that is kind of a unicorn in this draft class and that he's just a dangerous threat as a runner. And he's got a strong arm, and he seems to be a little refined just overall as a player compared to past guys that fit that same profile. We will talk about him later for sure. Yeah, the Steelers are in love with Malik Willis. I was reading a story this morning that they may have uh... – outpriced him if they were hoping to get him at the 20th overall selection. Mike Tomlin basically doing everything possible to uh, tip his hand about who he likes going into the NFL draft. So Malik Willis maybe could be the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback in 2022 and beyond. That would be kind of fun to see a mobile quarterback there for the Pittsburgh Steelers as opposed to what we've seen for the last 20-plus years of Ben Roethlisberger, or almost 20 years of Ben Roethlisberger, who is not the exact definition of mobile. All right, let's get to some news and notes from around the league. And unfortunately, big uh, – Big story coming after the Pro Bowl, which was Alvin Kamara getting arrested in Las Vegas for battery resulting in substantial bodily harm. Uh, unfortunately, got into an altercation at a nightclub. That's uh, according to reports. So we'll have some updates on that when we get it. But uh, just a, a bad situation that the NFL is probably going to look into and uh, might be something that we have to talk about later on in the summer. But uh, 
Uh, that's not what we wanted to hear coming out of the Pro Bowl was Alvin Kamara dealing with something like that. The coaching news that we're all going to uh, be interested in is uh, Doug Peterson got hired as a Jaguars coach. Mike McDaniel got hired as the Dolphins head coach. Uh, Heath, which of those two stand out to you as more impactful for their respective players on their teams? Peterson going to the Jaguars, McDaniel going to the Dolphins. You know, I'm going to say Peterson going to Jacksonville because I think he is what they needed. Um, a steady hand. Trevor Lawrence needs a little bit of uh, professionalism and uh, NFL head coach. Like I, Doug Peterson has his problem, sure, but he's got his bona fides as well. And so I think that he will be able to go into Jacksonville and we'll find out this year if last year was all a problem of Urban Meyer and who was running the show, or if maybe Trevor Lawrence has um, a little bit more bust risk than we thought. Dave, what about you? Talk about Mike McDaniel going to the Dolphins, uh, obviously the run game coordinator for the 49ers. So I'm really excited to see who the running back is going to be there in Miami. But just talk about the hiring of McDaniel, 38 years old. Uh, we know about these offensive coordinators that aren't necessarily play callers and some of the ups and downs of these guys. But what do you think about the hiring for McDaniel in Miami? Right. So first of all, this doesn't necessarily relate to anything that's going to happen on the field. I like Mike McDaniel's style. He seems to be very easygoing, very kind of funny, uh, had fun with the media when he was doing press conferences. And then when he talks about football, he does get very energetic and excited about it. We don't know what he is as far as a play caller goes, but you've got to assume that's going to be a lot like what we've seen in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. He's a Kyle Shanahan disciple. So that run game, it's going to be a lot of the, the zone read type thing that they like to do or wide zone running, however you want to call it. Definitely it's wide zone, not zone read. You're going to see a lot of that. And you're also going to see multiple running backs. And you're probably going to see running backs that aren't first round caliber type running backs unless it's the guys that are already in Miami. Guess what? They don't really have those types of guys on the roster right now. So I, I think you'll see a, a good running team a well-coached run game. And what does it mean for Tua Tungavailoa? It means that he's probably going to be more diligently prepared for games this year because preparation is one of the things that McDaniels has been hammering for years. He will be more prepared for his games moving forward, and there will be more creativity in that offense moving forward than what we saw last year and the year before. Most cap space of any team this offseason as of now, that's not including what they do with their own free agents, but – uh, the Miami Dolphins. So hopefully they'll invest in their offensive line because a huge problem last year protecting Tua Tungavailoa, opening up rushing lanes for Miles Gaskin and the running backs there. Uh, but those are probably some positions, running back and offensive line, that you'll probably see invested in heavily. And just to uh, tie in Mike McDaniel, this was Mike Shanahan's coaching staff in Washington. He had his son, Kyle <laughs> yeah, Shanahan. This is amazing. Yes. Don McVay, Matt LaFleur, and Mike McDaniel. So of those three guys that are previous head coaches, McDaniel now becoming the fourth, Kyle Shanahan, one Super Bowl appearance. Sean McVay now on his second Super Bowl appearance. Matt LaFleur, two NFC Championship games in his three years as the head coach. And now Mike McDaniel takes over as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So we'll see how things go there for McDaniel if he becomes as successful as his predecessor. So we'll see how things go there. And just to kind of tie in, we know we're going to hear probably this week that the Texans may have a new head coach, Lovey Smith, now in the running there. He was a defensive coordinator. The Saints still without a head coach. But here are the coaching hires so far. The Bears get Matt Eberflus. The Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett. The Giants, Brian Dable. The Raiders, Josh McDaniels. The Vikings, Kevin O'Connell. And now Doug Peterson to the Jaguars and Mike McDaniel to the Dolphins. So he's tying it all in with all the coaches that we have so far. Who's your favorite hire of those guys? Bears, Broncos, Giants, Raiders, Vikings, Jaguars, Dolphins. 
Wow, that is a lot of names. I, I'm going to go with giving Josh McDaniels another chance in Las Vegas. I think that that could be really interesting. The, the most interesting thing to me right out of the gate is did he take this job because he's going to have the control to completely remodel everything there? Or does he like Derek Carr? Because I think Carr is one of those quarterbacks for all these te- There's going to be more teams who need steady veteran quarterback play than quarterbacks available in this offseason. And so I do think... And I think the Raiders are probably a more attractive place for someone like Rodgers or Wilson or Watson in terms of trade because of the assets they have. So I wonder if they're going to move away from Carr or if they're going to keep him. Be interesting to see what happens there. So, Dave, same question to you. It might be McDaniels, but if you have somebody else to talk about, just feel free to go a different direction. But, again, the best hire so far of the coaches that have been placed with their respective teams. You knew I was going to say McDaniels. That's That would be my answer as well. But I'm curious to see how Kevin O'Connell does in Minnesota. We just got done talking about Mike McDaniel coming off of the Shanahan branch, whether you pick it Kyle Shanahan's branch of the Mike Shanahan tree or Mike Shanahan's branch of the Bill Walsh tree, however you want to call it. This is a pick off the Sean McVay tree. Kevin O'Connell was an analyst, I, I want to say like six, seven years ago. And now here he is as the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I would imagine that he will be, I don't want to say he's going to be just like Brandon Staley, but he's going to be probably along those lines as a progressive forward thinking head coach that will be aggressive, will take chances, understands how important the passing game. He's a former quarterback himself and understands how important it is to have a good steady defense along the way. I think it's going to be a full 180 for Mike Zimmer. Remember Mike Zimmer loved running the football in Minnesota really held back that passing game. Now I think it's going to be just shifting it into hyperdrive where you're going to see a lot more of the passing game in Minnesota, provided that Kirk Cousins or another capable quarterback is there, along with that same emphasis on defense and playing a certain style of defense. I think it'll end up being a zone style of defense that'll just keep them competitive and and bend but not break type thing. Not like we've seen from L.A. because that defense has a lot of star power and they've blown out a lot of opponents but they are certainly more of a zone-friendly type of D. Yeah, the Rams coaches have favored the run a little bit more than the pass, so we'll see if Kevin O'Connell maybe veers a little bit differently from that. But I, That's what I'm thinking, right. Well, he has, he has, of the head coaches, you know, just, you know, barring a Aaron Rodgers move to the Raiders, as you alluded to, Heath, or maybe the Broncos, as we, you know, are, are kind of speculating a little bit, uh, he has the most at his disposal in terms of, you know, getting probably the most instant success based on the team that he's stepping into, so... Uh, should be fun to see what happens there. But I think all these guys are in you know some good spots. Uh, we'll find out, though, how things go because you're a new head coach for a reason because the team that you're taking over for generally was bad. So hopefully these guys have some success. Some other news just regarding the teams in the Super Bowl, Tyler Higby and C.J. Uzama, the two tight ends on the Rams and Bengals, respectively. Both did not practice on Friday. We'll see what happens during this week. Coaches are optimistic that both will play in Super Bowl 56, so we'll see what happens there. Cam Akers dealing with a shoulder injury is expected to go. Uh, so hopefully he'll be fine. What's the thing you're looking forward to from Cam Akers in this game? Is it another – I mean, obviously we're all looking forward to, you know, heavy workload, big production as well. But is it more just get through this game healthy and then he's going to be drafted where, Heath? Where's the uh, where's the potential landing spot for Cam Akers in fantasy drafts? I do think this game will matter for that because, like, the one thing I would like to see from Cam Akers is something resembling good efficiency. (laughs) You look at his rushing production since he's come back, and it's been absolutely awful. He's been below four yards per carry every game, below 3.7 every game. So I would like to see him break a run. I'd like to see him get in the open field and explode a little bit. I'd like to see him used in the passing game, but I do think – 
Right now, I would guess Cam Akers is a late second round pick in terms of ADP. I think there's a possibility if he has a big Super Bowl and if he has a great offseason that hype could build to the point to where we're looking at him as a borderline first round pick again. Dave, can he get that high or is it more second round selection for Cam Akers? He can, he can get that high, but I think he's going to be right where Heath said late round two. Maybe he gets maybe th- that hype that we're talking about puts him into early round two and he'll end up being like round 15th to 17th overall somewhere in that range. What I'd have to think about what it would take for me to take Akers as a first round pick. Uh, it would it would certainly take Sony Michelle not being on the roster and nobody else on the Rams roster being a legitimate threat to take work away from Cam Akers. Henderson was there, right? Henderson, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to double check that whether or not. I'm pretty he's sure he's not a free agent. Home. Henderson is. will be on the roster barring a move that they make. Um, right. Michelle is a free agent, most likely gone. Right, right, right. So uh, Henderson doesn't bother me as much because I think they've been there and done that with him. If they go and they draft a running back or something like that, it depends on what the capital they spend. But Akers, I think there is a pathway to him being the lead back for the L.A. Rams in 2022 with an improved offensive line. They're going to be in need of replacing some starters. Uh, and and I think that they, like you said, Jamie, they like to run the football. I know that they improved their passing game when they added Matthew Stafford, but they do like to run the football. That is obviously a huge part for every team in the NFL. And if he's given the keys, he's going to theoretically get a lot of work and hopefully he stays healthy for it. I think he can reach early round two range if, if that's how this offseason plays out for him. We'd like to probably see some footage from training camp or from OTAs of him being a little more explosive than what we've seen over the past three games. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out what Andrew Whitworth decides to do as their left tackle. He is... Uh... One of the more established guys in the league, but uh, you know, near retirement at this point, they have two offensive linemen that are expected to be free agents, but they also are going to have a lot of money because they're going to get uh, Jared Goff's contract off the books, Deshaun Jackson's contract off the books, and so they're going to have a lot of money to spend. And uh, in terms of the draft, well, we know they don't like to use a lot of their draft picks because they send them away. So uh, if they draft a running back, that would probably be a big surprise. So it could be a big situation for Cam Akers. Who, to your point though, Heath, or I guess counter your point, Heath, about the the yards per carry. Um, San Francisco, Tampa Bay in the back-to-back games where he did get the significant workload. Arizona as well, but you know those are two of the best run defenses in the league. So give him a little bit of pass. <laughs> At least I will uh, coming back from from the Achilles. Should have been better. Uh, yeah. Better than be, than be better here and we'll forget about it. The, huh? Be better in this game and we'll forget about it. Be better in this game. We'll forget about it. It's a very good point. So hopefully that's the case for Cam Akers and we can draft him comfortably at least in the middle to the end of round two. All right, let's get to some uh, 2021 key stats and trends that uh, could help you potentially moving forward. And we've talked about this a little bit just in tying into the Super Bowl conversations, the playoff conversations. But the first one revolves around the Cincinnati Bengals. So Zach Taylor has been in Cincinnati for three years. The Bengals have run uh, 1,040 to 1,049 plays each year, but their pass attempts have fallen from 619 in 2019 to 581 in 2020 to 555 in 2021. And I know, Heath, that makes you a little bit concerned in regards to what could happen moving forward with Joe Burrow and this passing game. As we talked about, you thought you're going to be the lowest guy on Joe Burrow. Chris might have swayed that for you. But uh, just in terms of what you're looking at for Joe Burrow next year, this is the thing that stands out to you the most, correct? Yes, and and really, even a little bit, like Chris was talking about how high he was on T. Higgins, and it's probably the reason I'm not quite as high on Higgins as he is, because I do love Higgins as a, as a number two wide receiver. But this also directly correlates with the Bengals winning games. And not to say that they're winning games because they're running, but I think it's quite likely they're running because they're ahead. 
And I, I do think there's a little bit of room here because you said, as you said, that the plays each of the past three years are all between within nine, like very, very similar. But we played an extra game this year. They should have had an extra 60 or 70 offensive plays this year. And I would anticipate they will next year. They'll probably be closer to 1080, 1090. At the very least, that should be a boost back into that 580 pass range. But we've talked about it before. It's difficult to be a great fantasy quarterback if you don't throw 600 passes and you don't really run very much. And it's hard for me to project either for Joe Burrow. Now, he can have a year of elite efficiency. The problem is he just kind of had that year. The touchdown rate was out of this world. The yards per attempt was just insane. And we've seen from Patrick Mahomes, from Lamar Jackson, even from Josh Allen, that type of efficiency does not last year over year. He's going to regress a little bit in terms of his per-pass attempt numbers, which means he probably needs to throw 30 or 40 more pass attempts just to be as good as he was this year. Joe Burrow in 2020, it was an abbreviated season with the ACL in his rookie rookie year. Uh, I did not Azer stat this to take out the game that he suffered the ACL tear, which was against Washington in week 11, but he had 19.9 fantasy points per game in his rookie season in 2020, went up to 23.1 fantasy points per game in 2021. Dave, as a uh, just points per game, he was the uh, sixth quarterback behind Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. And so if the concern is the amount of attempts that he's going to have, despite the fact that he might have the best receiving core in the NFL, and that's not including whatever upgrades they have at the receiver position, at the tight end position, or more importantly, as we're probably going to find out, the offensive line, can Joe Burrow still su- sustain this type of success despite the lack of pass attempts as Heath is alluding to? The one thing that I noticed going back and looking over the Bengals from 2019 to 2020 to 2021 was the amounts of points, the amount of points that they scored in 20, 2019, no Burrow, 279 points. They won two games. They were pathetic. Burrow gets there as a rookie that jumps up to 311 points. I don't have the split on with Burrow and without Burrow and how many points they had, but I would imagine they scored way more with Burrow than without in his rookie year. Last year, do you know how many points they scored? Heath, do you have this number in front of you? Uh, I it's crazy. 460 points. And again, you can point to, well, they played an extra game. This is where that comes into play. But even with that, the average is still sky high compared to where it was in 2020. So even though they're not throwing as much, they're still putting up a lot of points. That's always what you're looking for in fantasy football. And I think Joe Burrow can still be an efficient quarterback and a a very good one for fantasy, one that you'll feel comfortable starting but not one of the first three or four quarterbacks that you should go after on draft day. Um, even even though they'll improve their offensive line this offseason, we're hoping that they do that. Uh, I, I think Heath's right, and Heath's been proven right about it, talking about hyper-efficiency before, that there is going to be a little bit of a, a come down from that. And I think you'll I, see that with Burrow, which makes him good, but just won't make him like he, – he shouldn't be overdrafted. I think that's the point that we'll hammer home here for the next several months. And the discussion might be like you might be challenged more when talking about it in Dynasty because I have seen some people talking about is Burrow the QB one in Dynasty now? Is Burrow a top three quarterback in Dynasty now? And he's just like he came into the league at such an age that he's really like he's older than Kyler Murray. He's older than Justin Herbert. He's the same age as Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I don't really think he he creeps into the top. He's not even my top five in Dynasty quarterbacks right now. Who do you have ahead of him? Uh, Mahomes. Allen, sure. yep. Jackson, Herbert, mm-hmm. and Kyler. 
Yeah, I guess Kyler would be the one that people might argue just because of what's happened to him in his uh, first and season. But he just deleted all the Arizona stuff off of his social media today. Oh boy, <laughs> that's always fun. I don't know what that's about, but uh, we'll we'll see. I'm sure it'll be another uh, another quarterback that we're talking about dropping in the offseason. Uh, just just to kind of tie this in for people that might not have heard our, our projections episode last week. So he, you have Burrow. I think it's what the ninth quarterback for you. Uh, tenth. Tenth quarterback. Dave, where is he for you? I'm looking at my rankings now. I have him eighth. Yeah, I think he's seventh for me now with Brady retiring. Uh, and he th- the one I think that stood out was where you have T. Higgins. So he's not in your top 20, correct? No, he was. Chris is the one that stood out with Higgins because oh. he had him in his top eight. He had both Chase and Higgins in his top eight. I Again, I'm I'm in the middle of projections, but I've got, I'm going to have Higgins between 15 and 20. 15 20, and 20, and, and obviously Chase is top five for everybody. Dave, where does Higgins – You, th- I, don't, I don't know if you've done your rankings or not yet, but where do you think he's going to come in for you? I've got the early part of my rankings done. He's 16th for me among wide receivers. I've got Chase fourth. Okay, so Chase will probably be in the in in the teens for most of us, Chris. As we uh, as we talked about last week, he's going to be very high on T. Higgins, having him as a top 10 uh, wide receiver for 2022. So we'll uh, we'll have a lot of talk about the Bengals, and we'll see what happens in Super Bowl 56. Hopefully, no major injuries to discuss uh, coming out of that game for the star players leading into their big fantasy seasons in 2022. Next topic we're going to talk about here is the Denver Broncos. And we know there could be a quarterback. Well, there will be a quarterback change. Just don't know who that quarterback will be for Nathaniel Hackett in his first season as a head coach there. But his receiving core, if it stays as is of Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick, you might not be drafting the right one first because Tim Patrick has led the Broncos in yards per target with a minimum of 10 targets each of the past two seasons. He also has more touchdowns than Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton combined over the past two seasons. That's a little bit of an Azer stat, Heath, I think, based on the games played for some of those guys. But Tim Patrick has more touchdowns combined than Judy and Sutton the past two seasons. So uh, talk about why yards per target is a good stat, Heath, and why does that maybe compare to yards per catch and yards per route run and just tie in how Tim Patrick kind of maybe stands out as an outlier to the third receiver based on the depth chart might be the best receiver looking at the other two guys there. Yeah, I mean, I think yards per target, yards per catch, yards per route run all have their various benefits. I, I like yards per target on in a team context like this because it correlates to yards per attempt. Um, yards per reception, we've seen guys like Brashad Perryman might average 17 yards per catch, but if you catch 45% of your targets, that's not quite as impressive. So this incorporates catch rate into that. I think yards per route run or even targets per route run may tell you a little bit more about how good the actual player is. This tells you when quarterbacks have thrown to these wide receivers, things have gone better when they've thrown to Patrick than Judy or Sutton over the past two seasons. Now, Sutton's best year was three years ago, and maybe he comes back from the injury. But the the bigger problem for all this is not so much for me to say, I think Tim Patrick's better than Jerry Judy, or I think Tim Patrick's better than Cortland Sutton. It's that I don't see any reason, especially after they just gave him a contract extension, to think he's going away. And they've got Noah Fant, and they've got good pass-catching running backs, and they they just brought in a head coach who I think very likely to use his running backs in the passing game. And so if there's three wide receivers that are heavily involved each week, I'm not sure Judy or Sutton can have the type of breakout that justifies them even in the top 35 wide receivers. I My initial run of projections had all three Broncos wide receivers outside of the top 48. Assuming they have a, a major quarterback upgrade, I'm sure one of them will creep into the top 40. But I, I do worry about, we don't know which one's going to be best, and I don't think any of the three of them are going away. 
we do have, you know, the, the potential of Aaron Rodgers going to Green Bay. Uh, you know, it's something that's been discussed, not by us. You know, we're just kind of reacting to things that we're seeing. So don't put that on us that we're saying mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is going to Green Bay when nobody's reporting that here. He's already um, in Green Bay, Jamie. <laughs> I'm sorry, going to Denver. Um, but in, in, in any event, uh, some of the potential trade rumors that you've heard uh, involve maybe Jerry Judy going to, uh, to Green Bay as, as compensation. Now, there is the other thought that if Rodgers goes somewhere, he wants to take Devontae Adams with him. But let's play this out. So Judy goes, no Adams, Rodgers is there. What's the approach, Heath, for Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton? How good can they be? I mean, if Judy's gone and Adams doesn't come with him, then they both have an opportunity, I think, to truly break out. I would see it really because we know how Rodgers has leaned on one guy in his career. I would see it as almost a race between those two. And who is the first one to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust to the degree where they're getting most of the targets? I think we'd probably rank both of them in that situation inside the top 30. But I don't, I wouldn't, I still don't think I'd have either one of them in the top 20. So, Dave, I know you're very high on Jerry Judy coming into the 2021 campaign. He had the ankle injury in week one that we don't know what would have played out. But clearly, when he came back, he was not the same guy that we were hoping to see, uh, did not put up great production. Uh, Cortland Sutton, as Heath alluded to, 2020 was his best season. 2021, I'm excuse me, 2019 was his best season. 2020 suffered the ACL tear in week two. So we only got one game of him. But what Tim Patrick has done when those guys have been absent is pretty glaring because we had the six games this season without Jerry Judy. And in those six games, four of them, Tim Patrick was 12 or more PPR points. So he was very reliable. In 2020, what we saw without Cortland Sutton on the field, again, the majority of the season, but Patrick had seven games with at least 12 PPR points. So he's been a very good backup option, not necessarily producing at the same level when those other guys have been healthy. Is the approach, depending on who the quarterback is, take the last Broncos receiver, which would probably be Tim Patrick, or are you still going to be aggressive with Judy or maybe more aggressive with Cortland Sutton? No, I definitely like the idea of not even caring about the Broncos receivers until you get into the back half of your draft. And then when there's a value pick there, I would imagine that value pick will be Tim Patrick. What I would be a little worried about would be you draft Tim Patrick, you put him on your bench to start the year. There's no real opening for him in Denver. Maybe one of his first three games is good. The other two are duds. No one's hurt among Judy and Fant and Sutton. The targets are spread around. They don't have Aaron Rodgers, so the quarterback situation is just kind of meh, and you cut Tim Patrick. And so it, I, I worry about that. I feel like the gamble you take by drafting Tim Patrick – let's call it round 10. It'll probably be later than that. Um, It's just to have somebody who's a bench receiver who you might end up just dropping a few weeks later. Could you spend that pick on someone else at a different position and make it a little more of a wise call? And I would say that, yeah, there probably will be somebody at running back or tight end, or maybe a quarterback that you can take with that late pick that you'd rather have than a receiver who you know is going to be, in a busy situation, uh, won't be one of the top two targeted players on his team, at least not on the surface to begin the year. That That's what would make me a little nervous to take him. But that's also why I'm not going to race to take Jerry Judy this year or to be interested in Cortland Sutton with a mid-round pick this year because there's just so many mouths to feed in that offense. And even with Nathaniel Hackett there, I don't see them being a team that's going to throw it uh, you know, be a team that throws it 60% of the time unless they fall into Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or somebody else, one of those top, top type of quarterbacks. Right. It's going to be clearly this discussion 
can be tabled for a later date, but there's so many different quarterback options that they can go with. It's, it's Rogers, it's Wilson. You have to put Deshaun Watson in that class. If he's able to find his way to Denver, uh, there's Jimmy Garoppolo, Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Trubisky, the names that you'll hear, you know, of, of the next tier guys. Uh, and then it's a matter of, do they go the rookie route if they can't find somebody of significance? So a lot will probably change when we get to the quarterback decision from the Broncos in this offseason. Uh, next uh, player or stat that we're looking at here involves Devin Singletary. So Singletary played at least 76% of the offensive snaps in six of the Bills' last seven games. That includes the playoffs. Heath, I know you were excited that Devin Singletary took over as the lead running back for Buffalo. That played itself out to end the season. We don't know exactly what's going to happen in 2022, but why would they go away from it? Now, there is some changes in Buffalo. Obviously, no Brian Dable as the offensive coordinator. Ken Dorsey stepping into that role. They did hire Joe Brady as the quarterback's coach, so he will probably have some say in the offensive game plan as well, and he likes throwing to his running back. So Devin Singletary, based on what we saw to end the season moving into 2022, what should the excitement level be about him, or was this just a, okay, fluky situation, good stretch, and it's going to go back to a committee again in Buffalo? I think a lot of people are going to cite Miles Gaskin when discussing Devin Singletary this offseason because we're going to definitely, like if you've got Devin Singletary on a dynasty roster, you're going to be nervous going through free agency. You're going to be nervous going into the NFL draft. And if you get to, through those couple things, you're going to think, we made it. I've got a, a, a high-end number two running back. And, and, I, and I do think it's possible that he could be that. He's still just going to be 25 at the start of this season. He's been, unlike Miles Gaskin, very efficient as a runner. He wasn't actually very good in the passing game last year, so I wonder if that's where they try to look at somebody different. Maybe they throw it to somebody besides Singletary. But we heard some murmurs, maybe, that there was a little bit of discussion in Buffalo about whether they were running the ball enough, and that per- perhaps Brian Dable didn't think they should be, and and now he's gone and we saw in that second half second half of the season when Singletary was getting all those snaps he was pretty effective as a rusher so I think if you get through April and there's not a major addition then we're viewing Singletary as a a, a, probably the kicking off that dead zone of running backs like end of round three start of round four and some people are going to hate him and some people are going to love him but I, I think he can do it where would you be drafting Singletary Heath right now Right now, I probably would not take him until the 4-5 turn. 4-5 turn. All right, Dave, what about you? Because I know Chris said last week that he thinks he's a breakout running back based on what we saw and should be going in in round three. I am almost positive that the Bills are going to address the running back position this offseason, and that makes me worried to put Singletary in that type of a bucket right now. I would happily take a bunch of other running backs ahead of him, including guys like James Conner, Michael Carter, guys that I think are going to be in situations where they'll be either a strong side of part-time or a full-time guy for their respective teams. I am not convinced that Singletary will be the full-time guy for Buffalo. He might be the starter for Buffalo, but I don't think he'll be the only guy like he was toward the end this past year. I'm going to put him in that round six range. Okay, so you won't be getting him. Heath probably has a good shot at getting him. Chris is definitely might be – I shouldn't definitely. Chris might be overdrafting him if he's taking him in round three. I think the round four, round five range, depending how running backs come off the board. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do because, you know, if they if they spend another draft pick on a running back, we know that uh, they did not this past offseason, but the last two years it was Singletary and then Zach Moss. The guy that they brought in was Matt Breida. If it's that type of guy, you should feel good about Devin Singletary. If it's somebody that's got some more upside that hasn't necessarily proved himself in the league yet, then that's certainly something you should be concerned about, like I think where Dave is going there. But what Singletary showed us at the end of the season, scored at least 14 PPR points in each of his final seven games. That does include the playoffs. 
in his final five games in the regular season, two games with at least 23 PPR points and three outings. And this is the more telling stat to me, three of those games with at least 19 carries, because if they're going to give him that type of work, whatever he does in the passing game, he's probably going to be, you know, a two to three catch guy. I don't think he's going to be much more than that, no matter what happens. Uh, but if he's getting anything close to 20 total touches, north of 15 total touches, then he's going to be pretty successful because this offense is going to move the ball. They're going to have a chance to score. It's just a matter of, will he find the end zone? Will he get from 14 points to 23 points? That's the, the leap to be probably around three type of running back. But uh, another off season that uh, we should keep an eye on here, because like you said, Heath, if we get to April, get past April, get into May, and he's he's still in this spot with just Zach Moss and then some retread veteran, then you should feel pretty comfortable and confident about Devin Singletary being maybe a round three type of pick like Chris is going to make him. And we'll see how things go there for Singletary, but something that we'll keep an eye on certainly over the next couple of months. We're going to take a break right now when we come back and get into the Senior Bowl and some of the takeaways on players that stood out, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. So hang tight. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Let's get into the Senior Bowl here. So, a uh, fun week of practice. I know, Dave, you were hoping to go. Things didn't work out that way. So, you watched it from afar. Uh, but the senior bowl, a lot of stuff. I read a lot of stuff about it, watching some of the highlights as well. Uh, so Dave, just your, your overall takeaway, Malik Willis was the guy, but, uh, uh I guess let's just stay there. Let's start with Malik Willis. So, uh, the quarterback from Liberty, uh, what did you see? What did you notice? And, uh, will he make it to the Steelers at 20, uh, based on all the reports about Mike Tomlin apparently has talked to everybody that knows Malik Willis or has ever met him, uh, about him maybe making it to the Steelers at 20, or maybe the Steelers trade up in Kevin Colbert's last hurrah as the general manager there. You know, I, I think if they really feel like there's a major difference between Willis and Pickett, they'll have to move up from where they are to get him. They might be comfortable taking either guy uh, if they're going to go quarterback in round one. I, I think Willis was good. I, I don't want to paint him with the brush of he's the best quarterback in this draft and he's just like Trevor Lawrence well, this, this, and he's this, just this, like this, Joe Burrow. Before you go there, this is not a very strong quarterback draft. This is not it's what not we've a, seen the last several years. Jamie, it is not a strong offensive draft. Right. So we're talking about for, for fantasy, this you is going to be a great job tanking this year, by the way. What's that? <laughs> you guys think yeah, I, your tank. Right, like I, I do want to say, like, it, and there are players to be very excited about. It's just none of them were at the senior bowl. I listen, I I'm only just now getting started on the draft process. So I, I can't speak to a lot of the other players, but here's what I can tell you guys. Ryan Wilson's mock draft has one offensive player at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end in his first 12 picks. Chris Trapasso has three players in those first 12 picks that are offensive skill position players, not offensive linemen, not defensive players. This is a defensive heavy draft. This is not like we were spoiled 
bottom line spoiled last year, the year before. Think about the quarterbacks. Think about the receivers. Think about the running backs. We were spoiled. The only position in this draft that right now that I'm looking at and I feel like there's some good depth there and there's a lot of interesting players is tight end. And we'll talk about the tight ends later on. Now, you asked me about Willis. I thought he was the best quarterback at the senior bowl practices, but it's mainly just because he has as strong of an arm as any of the other quarterbacks that are there, and he runs. And he's he's a good runner. He's, he's pretty compact as far as his size goes, but I, I think he can run well, and I think he knows when to run and when to not run. I think he's got a good sense of when to throw the ball away. So in that respect, I I would compare him to somebody like Jalen Hurts, but when Jalen Hurts was at the Pro Bowl or Pro Bowl, the Senior Bowl, uh, I didn't think he was. I thought he was pretty raw. I don't think Willis is nearly as raw as Hurts was then, which is kind of exciting when you think about Malik Willis, and that's why I think he is going to be much closer to being not just a first round pick, but maybe a top fifteen pick compared to Hurts, who wasn't really seriously in the conversation of being a first round pick. Heath, uh, you know, mobile quarterbacks obviously are great fantasy assets because of what they do. And what we saw from Malik Willis in the Senior Bowl, he had 54 yards on four carries. Uh, you should go watch the highlight run of his 27-yard carry because it was impressive. That's the type of play I think you're talking about, Dave, knowing when to run. Uh, you know, protection broke down. He escaped from the pocket, you know, went from the right side to the left side. So it was, you know, kind of showing you all levels of his uh, rushing ability. But, um, you know, assuming Heath, he ends up in a good spot, you know, Kenny Pickett also had a good senior bowl. You know, the quarterback's kind of all over the yep. place, you know, depending on, on on who you believe and what you read. Um, if he ends up in the right spot, though, is this going to be, you think, the first quarterback off the board uh, in dynasty leagues, in seasonal leagues, you know, just in terms of a second quarterback? You know, I think we kind of, you know, we went from, okay, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, that class, uh, Herbert ended up surprising us. So, you know, maybe some, some fantasy managers went the Trevor Lawrence route, the Justin Fields route, you know, the, the Trey Lance route and got burned by it. Um, can he be uh, maybe a difference maker for fantasy managers in 2022 and obviously beyond? Yeah, I mean, for dynasty purposes, I think if he's a top 20 pick and he's one of the first two quarterbacks taken in this draft, then he will likely be the first pick in dynasty super flex drafts and uh top eight pick in terms and definitely the first quarterback taken just because that that mobility matters so much as far as redraft it's really probably going to be like if the Steelers take him and his only competition's Mason Rudolph then I think you could absolutely see him as the first quarterback taken but if he gets drafted into a situation like Trey Lance where we think he's gonna have to sit for a year and people may be a little gun shy because of what just happened but his rushing ability and the potential upside should easily make him a first-round pick in rookie drafts. And, and like I said, maybe the number one overall pick in Superflex. Dave, assuming it's not Pittsburgh, some other teams, you think that might be good fits for Malik Wills? I put Minnesota as my favorite one because I do think uh, the fantasy analyst in me wants him to go to a team like Pittsburgh where he can start right away and we can you know, watch him develop and grow and, and not expect not have huge expectations as a rookie, but watch him develop and grow. But I think he's the type of quarterback that needs a year or at least 10 games, something like that, to sit on the sideline and go that Trey Lance type of route. Minnesota would be a great place for him because he would have stability from the coaching staff there. It's a new coaching staff. It's a progressive coaching staff. I talked about Kevin O'Connell earlier on. And it's just it's a team that's got some pieces on defense and on offense that are already in place and that he can build around. He'll be throwing to Justin Jefferson for his entire career. That sounds pretty damn good to me. So if I could pick where he would go, I would say that the Vikings spend up and take him in the draft. But you can make the same argument that Cleveland, they might be toward the end of their time with Baker Mayfield. Indy, 
toward the end of their time with Carson Wentz. Those two teams would be a lot of fun for Malik Willis to go to. Detroit, Atlanta, same types of things. But the Vikings would be my favorite one in terms of a, of the place where he could go and he wouldn't be rushed into the starting job. Yeah, the the, the Steelers situation, though, is just the most fascinating because I don't think I've seen this in, in recent memory aside from somebody that is de- guaranteed to pick in the top three or four overall picks where a team has tipped their hand so much. I mean, you know, with what the, you're just reading and seeing with what Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert did in watching Malik Willis and, and some of the stories coming out of the Senior Bowl that they're just in love with this kid. And Mike Tomlin reportedly has always wanted to have a mobile quarterback. Clearly did not have that in Ben Roethlisberger. So we'll see if they're able to uh, somehow acquire him again by either moving up or if he falls to the 20th overall selection. And Jamie, it, I, I feel like if this were any other team in the league, I'd, I, I would start spouting like the conspiracy side of it or the devil's advocate side of it and say, well, they're just trying to get other teams to move up to get one of these quarterbacks. They like somebody else. But every year it comes out who the Steelers like. And every year the Steelers yeah. draft who the reports say last year he was connected. They were connected to Najee Harris from the, the jump Yep, from the jump. Najee Harris to the Steelers, Najee Harris to the Steelers. It's like they were daring the rest of the NFL to jump over them to get Najee Harris. And who did they draft? Najee Harris. And it's happened time and again with their first-round picks where the guy they say they want is the guy who they actually want. So pay attention to what's coming out of Pittsburgh, and you'll know exactly who they want to target. Yeah, the only difference would be is that they they may have to move up to get this guy. They didn't necessarily have to do that with a running back. Uh, picking at 12th, but they might have to do that with a quarterback picking at 20. So we'll see how things go there with the Steelers and Malik Willis. But again, the connection is starting to get made and we'll see if it comes to fruition. All right. The running back winner, according to Dave, is Damian Pierce. I love to hear this because he's a Florida Gator. Uh, yeah, I know you are. Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl practice. All the reports you hear were pass blocking was fantastic. His oh. hands were fantastic. And he did a good yeah. job in the Senior Bowl as well in how he performed there, scoring a touchdown in the game. So, Dave, just uh, what did you see from Damian Pierce and watching practice from afar? Yeah, I I love the pass blocking. That's something that you don't see very often from rookie running backs is, is them coming into the league, being ready to go. But he was excelling at it. He was one of the best that I've seen over the past few years as far as rookies crushing it at senior bowl practice. And I thought he was okay as a pass catcher. There were a couple of passes that he dropped along the way. But I, I, I saw a lot of strong cuts. I saw him playing with some explosiveness. I know he didn't consistently play with that type of explosiveness at Florida, but he was definitely a steady hand in that run game. I like his size. I like that he's 220. There are a lot of running backs at the Senior Bowl that aren't as big as he is. I think he's got potential to be a three-down back in the NFL if he goes to the right place. I think he's a good scheme fit for any team as well. And he's just he he's he's got that kind of physicality on top of I, I guess it's good enough explosiveness based on what I saw in the senior bowl. I haven't watched him play a down at Florida. So you got to give me a pass on that. But once I see that, I'll have a pretty good idea of just how good he is. But I've talked to a couple of Florida alums, Jamie. I haven't talked to you about him, but I know that they say that they like him and that he's the type of running back that gets stronger as the game goes on. When I try to think of a comparison for him, the guy that I kind of gravitated toward was James Robinson, because you think about the vision and the cutback skills that Robinson has. But I wonder if he might end up being a little bit better than Robinson when it all comes down to it. Yeah, he just wasn't a workhorse, never had more than 600 yards of Florida. They rotated guys, you know, too much probably for his liking, certainly, I'm sure, for a lot of fans liking myself as well. You know, you like to see at least one guy get going, and, and that's kind of been the Florida running backs that have had some success going back through the years, obviously, you know, all the way back to Emmett Smith, but uh, Fred Taylor and, and the like. I, I think, you know, Pierce is going to have to end up in the right spot, uh, but he certainly helped his draft stock tremendously. Uh, some other guys that seem to have done well at the uh, Senior Bowl, Rashad White from Arizona State, Devontae Price from FIU, he's a little smaller guy, uh, Tyler Batty 
uh, is Beatty or Body? How do you pronounce it, Dave? I think it's Batty. Batty. Um, if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. It's again, I'm I'm just now getting sure. to know these guys. Sure. Um, and, and this is just me reading stuff uh, from different scouts. Uh, but he stood out as a receiver. Uh, Heath, I know again that I think what you're alluding to about the guys not at the Senior Bowl, more of the wide receivers that didn't show up, but the running backs for the most part, the top guys were there. Um, is this a position where you think we're going to find a standout guy? I know again, Pierce is having a strong, you know, start to the uh, draft process, but is there a guy? It doesn't have to be at the Senior Bowl that you're looking at and can say it could be this year's Najee Harris, that type of player. Or is there that type of guy in this class in your mind right now? Um, well, I mean, in the draft class, in the senior class, I'm not sure, but I, I, Isaiah Spiller, um, I think in the right situation, he's shown enough in the passing game. He's shown enough in terms of explosiveness. He's got the right size. I think he and Brees Hall both, that I might be tipping my hand, that might be pick 1.1 and 1.2 in the YOLO Dynasty League. Um, I, those would probably be my two favorite running backs at this point. Okay. Jamie, so, it's Beatty. It's Beatty. Tyler Beatty. I think that's I what I said, right? I'm sorry. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll see. You know, again, uh, Pierce helped himself uh, tremendously with his senior bowl performance. So we'll see how things go there for him. The wide receivers have a lot of talent. Now, again, not all of the stars were there for the senior bowl. Uh, but Dave, the guy that stood out to the most to you was Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Uh, you heard a lot of positive reports, though, about Christian Watson from North Dakota State. He seems to have been the scouts' uh, favorite option. But talk about Alec Pierce and what you saw from him. He was my favorite from the week's practices. He didn't actually play in the Senior Bowl game, so if you just watched the game, you didn't even see this guy. You don't even know who he is, but I, he came off to me as a total technician on the field. Great route runner, a good, good job using his hands and arms, not just to swat away defensive backs off the snap, but to go ahead and kind of push off a little bit when he's making a play. He's a tall dude. He's six foot three. He's over 200 pounds. I mentioned the route running and the footwork. I think his speed is solid. I don't think he's going to be a, a downfield game breaker like you we've seen from a lot of other teams, but I could see him being a consistent type of target getter in the NFL. I, I, I look at him and I see Robert Woods and I think about Robert Woods and how he's a technician. He's a good route runner. When Sean McVay talks about Robert Woods, he always talks about how Robert Woods is a great blocker, but Woods is also used on end arounds and sweeps and slants. And, and he does run downfield routes, but he can also work in the short and intermediate areas. I think Pierce can do that sort of same thing as well. I really liked what I saw from him in practice. And I even took a sneak peek at some of what he did at Cincinnati. And I like what he did there too. adjusted to a lot of off target throws from their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. He's somebody that I, I think could end up being a capable target volume type of fantasy receiver. He was my favorite from the week's practices. Heath, when you're looking at these receivers compared to some of the other guys like a Garrett Wilson, obviously Jamison Williams coming off the uh, the knee injury, we'll see how healthy he is. Chris Olave, you know, a lot of uh, big time players at the receiver spot that have a chance to be, you know, successful in this draft. Um, how much do you look at these guys compared to some of the guys that weren't there? Yeah, I mean, you know me, I like the younger guys. So, and, and I like um, I, Wilson right now is my favorite, especially. I just wonder, I mean, it could be Olave or Olave out. Olave. I'm going to say it Olave. Right. All, all season long. One of those two, you know, we saw the Eagles do this. We saw the Dolphins do this. We saw the Bengals do this. Worked out pretty well for them. If one of those two ends up in Chicago with their former quarterback, Justin Fields, that that's a guy I'd be really excited about. Yeah, I was uh, reading something where uh, some scout was looking at the tape for both of the Ohio State receivers, and the thing that they came away was just how great Justin Fields was in 2020, like just being reminded of yeah. just how great he was in 2020 so yeah it could be something that that's fun there Heath for sure to see one of the quarterbacks 
ending or one of the receivers ending up with their former quarterback. And the Bears obviously have a needed wide receiver moving on from Allen Robinson. Again, some of the other things that I saw aside from uh, Pierce for what Dave you know stood out, and Dave wrote a whole thing on, on the Senior Bowl, so you can read about it on CBSports.com. Uh, but Christian Watson, again, from North Dakota State, poorly had just Big a great dude, week. Of long arms. Yeah, didn't didn't do very much in the game, but apparently he was open all day in the game. They just didn't find him. He was. One target uh, or one catch in the game, excuse me. Uh, he should have had a South touchdown Alabama. in the game. He should uh, have had a touchdown from pick him under South Alabama had a strong uh, senior bowl week of practice as well. And uh, one quote I read was uh, in Sports Illustrated said, Tolbert was a menace on the field in his route tree and proved to be tough to guard all week. So had a strong week as well. And Calvin Austin from Memphis had a good week as well, but he's small, five foot seven, 175 pounds. But people were raving about his route running. All right, let's move on to the tight ends. As Dave said earlier, this is a position that has a lot of talented players. Uh, Dave, your winner was Greg Dolchich. Is that my saying that right from UCLA? I believe it's um, Dulcich. Dulcich from UCLA. And uh, you compared him to Austin Hooper. So he's your favorite uh, of the guys at the senior bowl that stood out to you? Not only was he a good blocker, but I thought he was a good receiver as well. And there's a lot of big guys who can move in this draft, but they're they're going to be versatile types of tight ends, ones who can block and run. Um, and I think he can do that. He had some good speed. He had some good quickness for a guy his size. He plays bigger than his height and weight. Uh, he's listed at six foot four and two hundred forty eight pounds, but I feel like he's playing a little bit bigger than that. There were times where I saw him and I thought, wow, this guy could be like the next George Kittle, but I don't think he's as fast as Kittle. So I went with Austin Hooper instead. Um, but a good contributing tight end, not in the same range as, as Kyle Pitts, but someone who could contribute along the lines of what I think Pat Fryermuth will be. Could be fun to see. Uh, fit will be be important. Um, rookie tight ends, as we know, don't necessarily stand out. Uh, again, some of the stuff I read, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin had a good senior bowl game, three catches, 62 yards, and touchdown in that one. And Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State reportedly had a good week of practice as well. So a yeah, couple of other and he was guys. great at Ohio State too. Um, uh, on, on top of uh, Dolchitz. So, Teeth, again, tight ends we know don't necessarily have strong rookie campaigns. Uh, taking a long-term approach, is there somebody that you think can be maybe, uh, a, you know, from an Austin Hooper to a George Kittle, you know, Pat Fryermuth as well, uh, going into sophomore season, you know, again, depending on who the quarterback is there. But just, you know, taking the long-term approach from the tight end spot, they're guys that have caught your eye so far? Not, there's not really. I think with this class, I, I'd be really surprised if there's a tight end who ends up as a top 15 pick in rookie drafts. And, and with guys of this level, I'm not so sure. We know that almost universally they struggle as rookies. Pat Fryermuth was the exception. I guess Kyle Pitts was Kyle Pitts was the exception. <laughs> even, even though even though he disappointed people in redraft. Um, I, I, I wonder if these guys are almost better off as guys you try to acquire after that first year of rookie struggles than someone I'm really targeting too much in dynasty drafts. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough position for rookies. Kyle Pitts, the, again, the rare exception, but the draft capital, the Falcons spent on him spoke to them using him and using quite a bit. We know we can play, uh, as much wide receiver as he does tight end, but I don't know if there's a guy in this class that can do similar things, which is why you probably will not see one drafted nearly as high, but it'll be fun to talk about a lot of these rookies. Incoming rookies over the next couple of months, the Senior Bowl kicking off the start of the draft prep process, and we'll be diving into a lot of these rookies and certainly diving into it from a dynasty perspective as well. So great job today on the show, guys. Again, Adam will be back with us on uh, tomorrow's show, on Tuesday's show. We'll get into more of the Super Bowl conversation for Super Bowl 56, previewing the big matchup between the Bengals and the Rams. But this was our Super Bowl, com our Senior Bowl conversation, excuse me, wrapping up what happened uh, last week in Mobile. So great job, Dave. Great job, Heath. Thanks for watching. Again, hit that like button. We appreciate it. We'll be back on Tuesday to uh, start our Super Bowl preview for Super Bowl 56. 
Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!